So I do have to ask you, someone in your position who didn't go to college for all the years is now successful in their own right. You've got your own multiple professions you're juggling. You're, you're financially supporting yourself. Do you owe some other person who made a contract at 18 years old short-sightedly and their gender study courses is not paying out like they thought they would. And so now they've got a loan that they can't pay out. Should any bit of your taxes go to paying them back or paying off their loans? So I'm assuming this is in, in uh, reference to the, the whole movement to uh, get rid of student loan debt. Sure. Of course. <laughs> so here's how I feel, right? Those individuals, obviously, made a, a conscious decision to take out those loans, right? In the word loan is the expectation that this money is going to be paid back. It's not a grant. It's not, you know, a scholarship. It's a loan. So you took this money with you know, believing you're going to pay it back, right? And so on the principle, I'm against the whole student loan thing. Also because it's kind of being talked about like it's going to help, you know, uh, poor people and this and that, but no, most, most Americans don't go to college, right? So right. the, the people who go to college, usually, even if they aren't rich, they are still a part of quote unquote, what I consider to be, um, middle-class, upper middle-class or the elite, right? Sure. Uh, because the rest of us don't go to college. Now, here's why I am sympathetic to the, to the position though, in that, unfortunately in this country, if enough people do something that is not wise, it has an impact on the entire system because of how connected everything is, right? So, you know, uh, we aren't in the days where individuals are the only ones that impact their own life, right? And those days are gone. With Social Security, with all of these taxes that you brought up, with uh, the social programs, with, you know, uh, you know, the, the budget, the economy, we are a lot more intertwined than we used to be. And so it is becoming a burden, a burden on the American economy. The fact that you have this, this segment of the population that has all of this debt, which, which uh, it prevents them from doing things like getting married and, you know, having children and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so it snowballs into causing other problems. And so now I'm thinking to myself that whether it will be like a net good to do this thing, even if on principle, I don't have, you know, that much sympathy for these people. Does no, that make sense? It very much does. Yeah. Now, might I propose to you another argument to the same th finger of the same hand? And I think mm -hmm. you might actually agree. Okay. So, First off, I do like your position. The snow, this, this tends to snowball into other financial sectors that affect us all. Now, my question originally proposed to you is that, is that the check that you should pick up? Again, you took a totally different path. I right. want to make the argument so that I, I, I had mentioned you earlier. I went to law school. So I kind of tend to take like a legal perspective. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing is there's a basic understanding in contract law that you cannot contract with somebody under 18 years old simply on the basis of capacity. The law does not view you as having the capacity to make this contract. You are 100% making this contract with 17 and 18 year olds. And it's going to let, it's the one debt 
that they can't write off for the rest of their life. Your car payment, your house payment, credit card, whatever. This is the one payment in life you can't lose if you file for bankruptcy. It follows you for life. And you're signing that at 17 years old. You're signing that at 18 years old. So one, I want to say that the contracts, if anything, if I have to lay on the sword where this, you get bailed out. The contracts are void. So the person I think who should pick up the bill, the bill is the person who contracted with them to begin with. So i.e. if you took the loan from the government, but that comes back to us, or if you took the loan from a private lender, then they have to pick up the bill. I don't think it should go back to the, the government. You know who really should? The university, who's also <laughs> getting $15 million in subsidies from our taxes. So our taxes pay. I went to Miami of Ohio. They were destroying very good buildings and rebuilding them and redoing this part of the universe every year, something new, something grandiose. And you want to know why? Because we get X amount of dollars. And if we don't spend all of those dollars Mm -hmm. next year, I can't come back and ask for more. So we got to We're just looking for shit to spend the money on. We just got to keep spending the money so we can keep asking for more. So. I think, yes, this can easily snowball into a bigger financial problem that affects all of us. But I don't think it's me and you, the laymen that are the hamsters in the wheel that should be picking up the bill, especially when we're subsidizing all of these assets or agencies that are profiting. The other thing is you brought up how the rest of us don't go to college. It's absolutely hilarious that we've got all these people in this, I don't know, fictional delusional trick that college is the golden ticket. You get the degree, you get the piece of paper, and now you're comfortable. You know, you'll get a house and a car and a picket fence and everybody will be happy. And then you get there and you're like, whoa, I got to make this happen for myself. And now it's an overflooded market. So even if you are moderately valuable, you're overflooded. And so now you're, you're, you're less valuable than you would have been otherwise. So the beautiful thing is on the flip side of the coin, the people that didn't go to college, the trades are worth like three times what they were when me and you were even considering going to college. A mm-hmm. plumber is 100% making more than the vast majority of people out of college and has plumber. been making that money for four years while you were going into further debt. So yeah, the my plumber, position is uh, going to be you a- picking up the bill. Yeah, plumber, HVAC worker, um, electrician. Uh, um, yeah, the trades are really where the money's at especially if you aren't like a great student, like I, like, you know, I wasn't a great student. So that's where, and I also, you know, <laughs> something that else has happened. College to me should be reserved for lawyers, doctors, um, STEM, the STEM fields. Uh, like there's like, there's like a handful of careers where, yeah, you should go to college, but you have these people now going to school for like women's studies and, um, you know, uh, Afro history. I'm, I'm like, what job are you going to get? So I got to tell you, your your channel was like a beacon to me because one of my degrees in college was philosophy. And don't get me wrong. There are plenty of nights in the basement where the boys are kicking it, watching TV with the haze <laughs> at night. And the television show would make fun of philosophy majors and they'd all go, oh, that's you. And I, <laughs> I understand it was the joke. I was in college experiencing it as it was a, a ridiculed degree. I could tell you wholeheartedly it was the greatest impact on my evolution. I could never be a lawyer in my life in, in my life. And that was just what made 
it, it crafted my ability to think. So I found a lot of value in it. But the only reason I took it was because philosophy majors did the best on the LSAT, which is the test to get into law school. So while a lot of people were going into, you know, pre-law and all these things, statistically, philosophy majors did the best. So while people ridiculed and everything else, I had a plan. I took it on my chin. Friends and people at the party were, that's the joke major. I'm a marketing major and you're going to find me on Wall Street, you loser. And <laughs> then they come out and they're like, whoa, you're telling me I have to compete with all 3,000 people that graduated me that also have marketing majors? And it's like, yeah, it's a shallow pool and not a lot of people are, are, are looking. And so, I, I don't know. To me, it was there's people with a, a forethought. And when you uh, – sorry, I just remembered another – one last point I want to bring up about the, mm -hmm. the college debt as well. Okay. So if you plan out and you have foresight, you should be rewarded. And then you have people who are just going by the seat of their pants. They get three majors. They've been there for a fifth, sixth year. Like you said, they're doing gender studies or something that, you know, just interested them, but they don't, what are you going to do with that? Well, I don't know. I'll figure it out. They, they, but what about the person like myself who planned out financially mm -hmm. and now has paid off their debt? I have no debt, but Joe Biden's on the TV telling me he's going to give it to me for free. So how come I get to stand next to the person who had no foresight and is really in some deep shit? And I was in the same position, being manipulated and taken advantage of at 17, 18 years old, and I don't have that debt. I would only be in favor of giving everybody the free money if you also paid back the people who, wow. I don't know, fulfilled their, I made a contract. I fulfilled it. And now I'm being punished for it. I get somebody else. I get to watch someone else get the free check while I sit there and lose out. I it's amazing. That's a, that's a, can you hear my AC Alex? No, no, it's, you got a sharp microphone. You're good. Oh, cool. I was making sure. Cause I, I would turn it off. You can hear it. Um, <laughs> oh, you're good. <laughs> I was like, but I don't be sweating boy. But no, um, <laughs> I was worried about the same. I was like, do I have um, a fan? And I'm just swimming in the you, deep over here. So you, you make an, uh, a very compelling argument that if the government is going to uh, forgive this debt, then for the students that actually were responsible, they planned things out, they, you know, they had a financial strategy, there should be kind of like a, uh, uh, what, like a stipend or something? You pay me back, maybe. Yeah, it was yeah, a government yeah. loan. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, no, but really, though, I don't mind that you, you know, had a, a, a you had a minor in, in a, a philosophy so my my major was philosophy my minor was political science also one that kind of was ridiculed but it was because it was supposed to propel me on the next path the next yeah path. so see that to me is different you you took philosophy because you did some research and you said hey there's a correlation between people who take this major and people who do well on this test on this test that i have to take in order to uh, become a lawyer that's a plan. I'm talking about these people that go into school and they're like, I want to be an activist. So I'm going to go ahead and, 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 you know, major in women's studies. And, and I'm like, okay, well, but what are you going to do? And here's the thing. If you want to, cause I'm not against learning just for learning sake, right? If right. you want to go to school to learn about, you know, women's studies just for the sake of it. Cool. But if you're going and you're, you're taking a loan out, 
like you have to pay this back. Okay, what career are you going to get with this with this with, with, with this degree that's going to pay you enough to pay off this loan with interest? They don't think about about it that way. No, I think that's a great point. And and even stronger, we need to reemphasize to these people that you know. Okay, it to to people who kind of wear the blue jersey, right? I don't I don't associate to either, but people are entrenched. And mm-hmm. I feel like we're punching down on a degree that is laughable to everybody. But I think to make the, the ground even and not to shy away too many people, you know, take something as simple as art. This, what me and you are doing is its own form of creative art. Mm-hmm. And, and we create in our free time, but it's in our free time. It's a hobby. So do I appreciate the person that went, and took a $100,000 loan to master <laughs> drawing. I, I appreciate that you love it that much, but it is unfortunate that maybe I had a father that was like, you're not going to get to be an actor. So figure it out mm-hmm. or, or be an actor and realize your life is going to suck because you didn't have that confrontation or maybe you did and you ignored it. You didn't heed the warning. Doesn't mean I should be responsible for it. Everybody knows of the struggling artist. And so when your paintings or pottery or your, your uh, cello, you know, you, you were an instrumental the whole time. I mean, oh my gosh, the best you could do is be a high school music teacher. I, I, someone should have told you that then. Like someone maybe in the university should have told you where the ceiling of this was, or maybe you should have considered that. But Gender studies, that's new. That's, I don't even, I don't even think it's fair that we just keep punching on them. There's a whole bunch of, there's a flurry of. Oh, no. I said Afro studies right after that. I think you missed it. African American (laughs) studies. (laughs) I said that. What else is goofy? Um, All of these new social scientists that that aren't real science that are made up, those aren't good degrees. Um, Can I I emphasize one thing? Yeah. There's two guys. I'm going to have it on the screen here. I always forget their names, but there is this classic Joe Rogan episode, dude, where there's a philosophy professor and a mathematics professor. Dude, I will, when you go back and rewatch this or I'll text you, mm-hmm. I totally implore you to watch this. It'll craft I gotta check it out. I love Rogan. on all of university. So these guys go to two, they work as professors at two prestigious universities. To be a professor, you have to write like X amount of journals a year. And out of all those journals that you you write, mm-hmm. X amount of them have to be published. And that's a big deal for professors to get your journal published. Then when your journal's published, it gets in the circulation of universities. Now, other universities are incorporating this public published journal into their curriculum. They're teaching it. And that, that's how your that's how work gets into the classroom. It's from yeah. other published professors. And these two guys wanted to show as kind of a Trojan horse attack that, oh, wow. So we may have to do this in bits. So just oh, to, I, see just the timer. To you, <laughs> yes. I, I just got a countdown on, yeah, on Zoom that we have 10 minutes. I've never had that. Normally, <laughs> what will happen is. If it's two people, it gives you infinite time. I've never, oh. I've never seen that before. Oh. Anyway, Zoom just has to squeeze a dollar where <laughs> I can. I, I'll probably just buy uh, a, another one and bring in. But, um, dang. So these two professors, 
they're they're like a Trojan horse. They write all of these articles. So again, one's a mathematician professor and one's a philosophy professor. They start writing journals on gender studies and everything and, and to show how phony the science actually is. They made it all up. And they got eight of them published and the most referenced at Yale, Harvard, across the whole country was how dog parks make dogs gay. Not founded in science at all. They totally pulled it out of thin air and they wanted to show how it just gets once. If you're just scratching the machines back and telling it what it wants, it'll purport you and, 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 you know, uh, I guess, but but look at the guy who created the mRNA vaccine. He patented the mRNA vaccine. Mm-hmm. He comes out and says, hey, this science is a little fishy. You should be careful. And they're like, nope, not what we want to hear. They turn you off. So it was just a really cool story. These two professors put their careers on the line, lost it all just to show to the people. And still the people didn't wake up and see that all this stuff being peddled by the universities aren't founded in anything but a narrative they're trying to push. I wanted to ask you a question, kind of going back. Um, are your parents still married? They are. They are. How about okay. yours? Same here. And okay. I wanted to bring this up because you you, you said um, you spoke about your father kind of being the one, you know, kind of busting your bubble a little bit in, in your early years about, you know, hey, you're not going to be an actor. And I also, my father was the one, because I was trying to go to school, to, to but not because I wanted to learn. I was trying to go to campus, you know, to have the experience, you know, right. women and, and, you know, parties and all that other stuff. Right. And so I remember, um, you know, filling out applications, you know, for aid and whatnot. And I got off for like two scholarships and two loans. And my father, you know, you know, looked at the, the financial information. He was like, look, man, I don't think you should go to this. Right. So kind of to your point about having somebody, an authority figure kind of bust your bubble, you know, t- telling you the truth, because to your point, um, we know about by, by the studies that, you know, the human brain doesn't really finish developing until around 24, 25 years right. old. Yeah. Right. And you're not thinking with with <laughs> with a, a full deck of cards when you're making these decisions at 17, 18 years old. And so having that authority figure in our case, it was our fathers being being the ones saying, hey, um, you shouldn't do this. Right. Looking out for you. I wonder if there's ever been a study on this on how many of the people who took on this uh, massive amount of debt come from broken families or homes where uh, the father wasn't there to begin with. Interesting. That would be a great research project because I wonder the other I, I would I could see that's the most prayable type of people right mm-hmm. you know like that's the most manipulative or, or easily but here's the other side to it i think when our parents were our age college could really get you somewhere it was mm-hmm. something that like if you it was really hard and not everybody could do it but if you got through you did have kind of a leg up in the market and i think those people saw that benefit and trained all of their kids. Now, my whole generation, your whole generation is a wave of people who are the first in their family to go to college, which could lend to your point that they're coming from these broken homes. 
but I, I think it's more of a Wizard of Oz fictional delusion we've created. I, I, I think it's outside of our parents. It's in the school system. It's in what we're training everybody. Every kid is taught that, like, go to college and you'll be a, mm-hmm. a doctor, lawyer, professor, and you'll have – you want that car? That car comes from college. Well, it doesn't. And so if we're training that into everybody – I think your father thinks it what, or you come from a broken home and you think, well, the, the way to, to get out of this place, this tough situation is to go to college. I, so I think it's on both sides. The same people who are like, yeah, my dad went. I mean, my dad didn't go to law school. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, it's so funny. Every lawyer, if you go to a lawyer, you go, hey, I'm thinking about going to law school. Every lawyer will tell you, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> and every bit of my soul said, well, this is what I was meant to do. Mm-hmm. So every person told me no. And, and back to your looking to authority. You've gone through it. I'm looking for suggestions. Don't do it. Don't do it unless you, it's, you need to do it. And that was mm-hmm. me. Now okay. I went through it, took on debt. It was stupid. And now I'm on the other side and I've become them. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's a total waste of money. It's a total sham. It's gatekeeping at its absolute finest. Do I think it definitely made me str- a stronger thinker and writer? Certainly. But mm. it. I think it's just an- so friends. It's been circulating. Friends have been you know, trying to ask me, do you think there's a proposal? You need a license to fish. You need a license to do this. We should need licenses to be a politician so we can have better standard of people who represent us. It's, it's like, guys, we don't want more gatekeeping. I would love for a mechanic to represent us. If he's articulate enough and educated enough, I want we the reason there's this dissidence between what laws happen and what the people want is because those representatives aren't us. I want regular people there. So to me, less gatekeeping. I, that's just my my soapbox on to your point. There are people who they're the, the people around them are telling them don't do it. And if your soul's telling, like if I needed to be an actor or go to college in your situation so bad, it doesn't matter what they say, I would have done it anyway. But if that's able to, to curb you or persuade you, it probably wasn't your path to begin with, whatever it may be, right? Yeah. I've made a similar point about the gatekeeping um, because I remember right around the time where it was a lot of, a, a lot of conversation around policing and uh, police brutality. And there was talk about, hey, you know what? We need to make it, you know, harder to be a police, right? Like, you know, you should have to have like a, a, a you know, four-year diploma or two-year diploma. And I was like, that's not the way I would go <laughs> because because I don't think that's that's the actual problem, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't want to make it harder to become a, a police officer. In fact, I like the fact that police um, is a profession in which you don't need a degree. That should be a job where all your training comes part of the career. Like, you know, even the law, any laws you have to learn, you should learn at the police academy. Right. This thing where we're constantly trying to make it harder for people to get to the money, I don't understand. Well, there's a bigger social problem. I want to put police and teachers in kind of the same box when I make this point. These are members of society that are probably the most pivotal. You know, one's molding your youth. The other one's keeping the peace. They're, they're the most pivotal to your day-to-day and your future. And yet we pay them so little. 
you know, I'm going to law school, the bottom 20% of every semester gets cut. So it's very cutthroat. It's the worst academic environment. Everybody's trying to chop each other at the knees. And so while you're doing this situation where you're trying to grow and everything, um, you, you know, I'm sitting there worried, am I going to get cut? Am I going to get cut? And if, if I get cut, my backup plan is, well, you know, I could be a cop. So I'm not good enough to be a lawyer, to know the laws and protect you from the government. But if all else fails, I can be the government and its force, mm-hmm. and I would know the laws less. So there's like a standard thing, right? So the standard's lower to be a cop than it is to be a lawyer. But the bigger problem is the lawyers and the doctors of the society choose to be those professions over being a teacher. There's so many people that would be great teachers, but they opt out or they'd be, you know, great police officers, but the money isn't there. So we've reprioritized ourselves where the most important positions end up getting the most, you know, the bottom of the barrel sometimes. I agree. I agree. I think teachers should be paid more and then cops. But again, most importantly, teachers. My thing is teachers. <laughs> All right, you ready to you ready to start this bad boy? Yep. I love that term, think tank. Think tank. I mean, you know what a think tank is? Like, how's a think tank go, Jim? Yeah, you know they got cancel culture nowadays. You gotta watch what you say. It's getting it's getting real scary out here. as well it's the rethink tank looks like you had a little bit too much to think here in the rethink tank hey what's going on everybody and thanks for joining me again i got a real special guest somebody that can bring you the hard-hitting truth and that's exactly what we need here in the rethink tank that's what we're looking for so without further ado i want to introduce my my new good friend the cruel philosopher thank you my friend i am glad to be here uh you know talking to to alex in the pre in the little pre-show we had was uh was was it was really good. I felt like I was on my show. <laughs> I feel like it was, it was like a regular, regular man. So yeah, I'm definitely glad you know that you invited me to be on the show. Well, it's rare you get to find people that are actually like cognitive that you can actually like <laughs> reflect things off of and and work with. So I I went through your page because you have a lot of great topics on there. So go check out the Cruel Philosopher on TikTok or check out his Instagram page. But um, you guys wrestle with some really fun, fun topics. And I picked a few that I'd like to wrestle with you myself. Okay, I'm down. Starting with, you came up with a very interesting topic. And as I, you know, articulated to you a few times now that I, I work at a, our local court, I have a legal background. And one thing that kind of grabbed my attention is that you believe we should have a maximum prison sentence of seven years. It was something you had proposed. Yep, and, that and I got killed we, for it. So please, I would like to hear the theory so we can wrestle with it. So here's what what was on my mind, right? Um, I feel like you should have to do something very apprehensible to be thrown in a cage. That's where I was starting from. We don't view prisons as cages when I think we should. And I think the fact that we don't, that kind of, it, it allows us to make the mistake in which we keep making things illegal just because we don't like something. For example, right? I've said in the past that I will legalize all drugs, right? Coke, uh, heroin, Molly, all of that stuff, right? Not because I believe you should use it, but because I believe that you should not be thrown in a cage for using it. So that's where I was starting from. 
Then, you know, me and my co-host Shannon were talking and we were discussing that, you know, our criminal justice system should focus more on rehabilitation and less on just punishment, which is what it is, what it does now. Right. And if we focus on the rehabbing side of it, like um, Norway does, like Sweden does, um, I think 70 years is a good amount of time to kind of fix what's wrong with somebody mentally or decide, hey, we need more work. Because in the comments on TikTok, they were killing me. Like, I did not say. Dude, ignore <laughs> I, those t- comments on TikTok, man. I, I got to tell you, the people commenting on TikTok have to be the lowest end of thinking on the thinking spectrum. <laughs> because I'll make like a super poignant point about NPCs. Like, that's mm-hmm. a topic I could go on forever. Just calling people NPCs, thinking half the world is AI and all. It just, it drives me nuts. And then guess what? All the comments are, that's exactly what an NPC would say. Yeah, bro, this dude's totally an NPC. And I'm like, you missed, I had such a great point and you yeah. totally missed it. They were rough on me. And I was like, the point that I made was the, 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 the maximum sentence you would get for any crime would be seven years, right? Then during those seven years, you will undergo some type of uh, rehabilitation, which you know, combination of, uh, therapy, a psych, you know, evaluation, you might need some medication, you know, or, or, you know, for, for something mentally wrong, right? Then at the end of that seven years, you would go before, I don't know, like a council or something, and they would talk with you and through your progress, they would decide, okay, we can release this person back into, into society, or you have to stay for another seven years. They just completely did not hear the whole you would have to stay if you don't pass the test but they were calling me oh you you, you just soft on crime and i'm like no i'm not so that was kind of where my mind was for that you know so where do you go before i i kind of uh you know uh, give give my i don't know addressing Mm -hmm. of the point i do want to know so where do they go for the seven years like what what does that look like what is it i mean not a concrete cage but what are look, we doing a probation type thing where we just expect you to show up twice a week? Or... No, no. It's, so it, it looks like the prisons do in Norway and Sweden. So boom. So you got a computer, a bed, mm-hmm. uh, a window, TV, TV. Mm-hmm. Um, I, can get I, know, I, I know in Norway, they got a, a recording studio as well. Uh, yeah, they have a basketball court indoors. Um, yeah, I think it should be as pleasant of an experience as possible. Pleasant. Absolutely. Why is that? Remember, because my focus is on rehabilitation, not punishment. If if your goal is so, if the goal is punishment, America has it done exceptionally well. <laughs> we have cages. We like the fact that everybody expects to get raped in jail is insane to me. Like, yeah, it, it, it's a running joke. You, Dude, you, how about you, this one? We had a guy in jail two days ago claim that he was you know sexually abused by one of the officers just when so he was in the regular munis muni jail mm-hmm. when he went, got down to county he made that claim just so he could get a rape kit and be isolated that was his whole goal he's like i just don't i want to be by myself because county is so rough that like you don't want to be with the regular population no so, like this guy was doing everything he could just to be isolated from and and <sighs> Okay, so 
Now, I'm going to try to keep, I think, in long thoughts. And I know I can get narrative, so I'm going to try you. to keep it short. Okay. But the first thing you had said was it should be something absolutely reprehensible to be in a cage. Mm-hmm. I agree with you on surface level. But see, here's the problem. Talking to someone as sophisticated as you, right? You're a, you are a functioning member of society. You're not going to rob the lady of her purse walking down the street. You're going to pay for the, the Pringles when you want mm-hmm. them at the deli. Those t- that person, that person, when we sit down and have a cognitive, rational discourse, would be like, man, if I'm sitting there in front of the judge, one time, it's, it's, it's earth shattering. It's a big deal. The problem is how removed we are. And, and I also have to remind myself every day I'm at the epicenter of bad people. So don't let it be, you know, reflective <laughs> of everybody. Yeah. It isn't yeah. reflective of everybody, but there's this, this reminder every day that there are people that are just gone. And yeah, today it might be petty theft, but, you know, take something like domestic violence. Mm-hmm. You'll have somebody that beats their, their wife or their girlfriend to a pulp. Mm-hmm. And the wife or the girlfriend doesn't appear, so the state has to dismiss the case, and they're back again. Mm-hmm. And, they're, and this, this happens a month later, and it happens a month later. Oh, yeah, they're back again. And, there's, and you know, we, once it becomes multiple, we can kind of get a little bit more intrusive but like if a victim isn't showing up the state really can't do anything Mm -hmm. and so it's this cyclic behavior and you just throw your hands up in the air you're like there's nothing we can do that's a heartbreaking scenario but then there's people where it's like you know whether it's a mental health issue or a financial issue, or I think it all compiles on itself, right? You, you came from a ne- neglect, neglectful and abusive home. Um, all, all of these issues, when you grow up, you don't know how to cope you, with, with your problems. You don't have the ability to professionally support yourself. And inevitably, you're, you're always there. So I agree with you. It would be beautiful if we could take that person and you know, blanket statement, magical world, you know, put, put me with SpongeBob when he goes, imagination, like if I just <laughs> yeah. rainbowed, like rehabilitation, mm-hmm. like it, the, you know, the judge that I work for, when you keep messing up and everything else, like a thing she loves to say to people is, you know, I can show you, but I can't understand it for you. And so there's only so much you can do for people. You can only make them care so much. I mean, take like a, you know, this white girl that works at the local bar who has uh, she's she's a lo- single mother and mm. she's got, you know, a four year old kid as a barmaid and she gets in trouble for cocaine. And then she gets a deal with, you know, she pleads out. We set her up with probation and she just defaults on everything. Isn't showing up to probation meetings, isn't showing up to this, oh, this and that. And, um, you know, there then the courtroom has no authority. If, if like you're not showing up and we just let it not happen. Yeah. It was just for doing cocaine. It was something petty. It was just drug use, but now the court has no, there's no authority. You just brush it off. So now what something was petty. Now you're going to jail or take something like a protection order back to the domestic violence situation. You have a husband or boyfriend that beats the wife or girlfriend whether or not that scenario 
you know, is resolved and you're found innocent throughout that whole period, there's a protection order by the ju- The court says you cannot contact them, be with them, complete separation. And then we bring the guy in on Zoom and he's in the car with her. She she's zooming in. And I go, I'm like, judge, they're literally in the same car. And that's why we're getting this echo and all this. Yeah. Stuff. And so now. You're wasting our time. A, a protection order has no authority now that. So here's the. Let's get back. Let's be let's be tethered thinking humans. So your position is, well, you shouldn't just go to a concrete box. That I agree with, because it's just what we're doing is making professional criminals. It's criminal university. You go there and learn how to become a better criminal. Mm -hmm. And when you're seeing these 18 year old boys go there for something petty, even for a month, that's going to be a pretty impressionable month in the rest of their life. So there's a thing we have to balance here, and it's chaos and anarchy versus rehabilitation and actually helping people. The problem is I don't think the people who can actually truly be helped to the fullest are even in front of us to begin with. And I know that's anti the system, innocent till proven guilty, but I came in here with the everybody's innocent till proven guilty. But now I've seen you here 11 times and I've only worked here two years. So I'm starting to think you've got more of a nature to this. What no matter what you look like. So to your point, right? Um, let's go to the domestic uh violence scenario you, you presented because I think that's actually kind of uh, uh a point that I could build or strengthen my argument on, right? The, so in that scenario, you have a violent act taking place, but because the victim is failing to cooperate with you know authorities uh or or, or show up to the, the hearing or whatever, he's not being prosecuted. Right. So what I'm saying is, in my in, in my scenario, that individual would be prosecuted just off of the action alone. Right. And so, you know, there's a, a domestic situation, uh, maybe not the first time, you know, because I, I also am very. Um, uh, not squirrely, but uh, I'm aware that, that that domestic violence is a it's not the clean. Right. Uh trying to find the front black and uh, white just yeah like, like most most domestic violence situations are actually uh bilateral not un, not unilateral so uh it, it's actually rare that is one party beating the other person is usually two people who put hands on each other um men do more damage and so you know they get the police call upon them more but they're not necessarily by this by the by the the data uh, hitting more often than the, than the people that they're with. So that complicates the whole DV situation, but still. So in, in my scenario, the guy will be arrested. He would be thrown in jail for, let's say, a year, right? He has to be there for that entire year. So for that year, then he's compelled to sit in front of a psychologist. He's compelled to talk to a therapist. He's compelled, you know, you might find that he has some mental issues. And so, okay, well, now you are compelled to take these uh, anti-psychotics or whatever drugs that you might need, right, for that year. This isn't a, 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 a an option, right? Uh, if he's a free person, then yeah, he can, you know, go to, he, he can be arrested, not show up to court or her not show up to court and he's back out on the street. But if he's, uh, but, but, but if he's compelled because he's now, 
uh, property of the state, he doesn't have a choice to take this hell. See, I like. Okay, so the libertarian in me has a mm-hmm. real problem with that struggle because there's people that I could see would have severe benefit from. They would truly, truly benefit from government intervention where they come in and like you said you use compel but even if it was force like you know here's what's crazy though dude the government can't make you take psych drugs they can't make you go to a therapist there's plenty of times where the judge has made a deal with someone you know all right instead of jail time you're going to go to the psych facility and you know plead to a lesser charge whatever 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 because we want to get you help but guess what almost every time those officers pull up they drop them off at the facility, and we can't make you stay there. So they book it, and so, now they're in and, deeper water than they were before. And so that's what I'm saying. So in that scenario, the moment you are not at the where we're supposed to be, now you go directly to jail. And while you are in jail, now I can compel you to go to a therapist. The same way I, they drag your ass to the yard for that hour. But see, here's I, where I'm, I'm scared. The mm-hmm. only place I'm scared is we, it, unfortunately, the great listeners missed out on half of the great conversation <laughs> we opened with. Yeah. But, like, we kind of, un, without deliberately saying it, kind of agreed that we're not the most excited about government-mandated juices, right? Like, Absolutely. if they come out and say, this is what's best for you, I'm just putting it flat out there. I don't trust the state at all. I don't trust them at all. No, I'm so with you. my sister, she's a pharmacist and she is of the belief wholeheartedly through her profession. What gives what wakes her up in the morning is that no matter how deep someone is in in troubles in their head, she believes that it's a chemical imbalance that can be fixed with the introduction of the right kind of medicines. And you mm-hmm. can totally balance out everybody. I can't say I've I've necessarily agreed with that, but I can definitely say over the course of her career in just a short time, she's definitely you know convinced me more increasingly. I I think it's possible, but I don't want the state. I I would like to go to my sister, the doctor. You go, what are your suggestions? And she goes, this is you know what I think is best for you, and here's why. And I'll most likely accept it because I come from a place of ignorance anyway, and I don't know how these drugs work, and I'm going to trust you, but. If if the word gets out that Allison's shady and you should go to Bill and, you know, once the, we I want to trust the free market, even in medicine. So I don't want to live in a world where the state knows that this is the best way to fix an offender. And I'm taking this pill that like dulls me. Now, let's go back to the other side of it. Everybody here is grabbing their pitchfork, and this will be one of the topics that we get to. But we need to free that Griner girl in Russia. She, we need to save this girl because can you believe it? She only got in trouble for smoking pot, and you could get that at a store here. Now, what's funny is like the Biden and the Camel ladies, they could go on the TV and tell you that, you know, we need to bring her back. Mm-hmm. At the same time that they perpetuated 20 years of laws of putting your dads in jail for the same thing. So n- when uh, Tulsi Gabbard's the one that came out yesterday and goes, they're all full of shit. They're talking out of both sides of their mouth. They want to save this poor girl from weed problems because it's just weed. But they don't want to let your dads out of jail because they proudly did that for 20 years. Yeah. Um. So, OK, so ju- just putting a button on, on the uh, 
the domestic violence stuff, then I do like wh where you're headed. Um, I, I share your, your uncomfortableness of the state, right? I say all the time, I believe everyone should have a libertarian spirit. Uh, and if we did, we would avoid a lot of the problems we have now, which is we are emotional. We ask the government to make some laws for us for whatever reason. Then we quickly regret giving the government the power to make those laws. So I, right. I agree with you. But the only place where I kind of, you know, disagree is once somebody harms another person, the state has, as per the Constitution, you know, the, we will protect your life. You know, now, now the state does have have a role in getting the person harming other people away from them. But, That's where, but where jail you, comes in. Where do you draw the line of harming other people? Because what if the state we, we put a lot of faith in them? What what mm -hmm. happens when the state comes out and says, hey, you not wearing a mask kills Harms his people. grandma. So now we get to take you. And it's not a cage. The concrete wall was painted orange. And we put a mm -hmm. couch in there, and there's internet. And you could turn on MSNBC whenever you want. But we're <laughs> going to take you because you're going to kill his grandma. So I agree with you. The problem is they just bend the lines. Look at just the, the metaphor for the, the – is, is they gerrymander, right? Literally, they draw districts just to get the votes they want the legislation they want, not based on, okay, this, the number of population or whatever. They, they manipulate and change the lines to get exactly what they want. So camel lady can spend 20 years putting dads in prison for something we casually do when we're cruising with our buddies. And it's the state said it's bad. And now the state said it's not. So what do we do for 20 years? That person who was doing something that probably helped them in many ways or could or it was just something recreational and now we're giving them a pill because they've created some bullshit science that says well you're you have a mental they put in newspapers and it made black men crave white women more that's why we need to make it illegal so i remember that who's to say that they're not going to create something that it's like well this pill that's just an antidepressant that numbs your brain and and kills your nerves well what it does is it makes you crave marijuana less yeah it's also melting your you know <laughs> cerebral cortex but it's like but you don't want weed anymore so i agree with you but i think me and you agree the domestic violence scenario the, there is no expansion of harm like you are physically harmed if you punch a woman you have physically harmed her right right <laughs> so so um and I, I hear what you're saying but that that does not apply to the the uh, dv scenario and so what i'm right. saying is in the case of you physically harming somebody else like striking them raping them um murdering somebody you have then clearly uh broken the law uh now you will be handed over to the state. We do that right now. Right. The, only, the only thing that I'm asking for is instead of just throwing them in there for however long to just sit there, hey, how about we actually do some rehab this way when they are released back into society, we're safe. Like, no, I agree this, with this you. This is for us. 
So now let's look at it at, in another frame. Think of 100 people, right? So we're just thinking statistics. Mm-hmm. A room of 100 people. If you, all of them committed crime X, whatever it could be, punching their wife, killing someone, robbing the bank, insert whatever crime you want, but you have a hundred of those perpetrators. Some of them did it out of desperity. Some of them did it because they were bipolar. Some of them did it because they came from a broken home that, that, you know, compelled them to act irrationally out of anger, whatever, whatever narrative you want to apply to all of them, but they all committed it. They're all very different. They all came from different places out of statistically, you know, out of a hundred, 60 people being 60%. The question then becomes, out of all 100 of them, when you take them, you put them in the the pretty Sweden room for, you know, you you say seven years, we'll say, you know, so one year, seven years, somewhere Mm -hmm. in there, we play, you know, whatever we, after analysis and research find is probably the most productive. Mm -hmm. Um, You come up with one and a half years. So you take 100 people, You put them in the Swedish room with the orange walls, the bed and the Internet for a year and a half. They talk to a therapist. We we analyze they they get a psych evaluation. We try to find ways to better them. Statistically. Mm -hmm. One of them, it's not going to work on. Gotcha. Yes. One hundred percent of the time. Mm -hmm. One of them, it's not going to work on. So the question then becomes, it's a sliding scale. How many of them does it work on? How many of them it doesn't it? 99 of them? That's pretty solid. 80, 20? Okay, now we've got now we've got 20 people that no matter how fluffy you make the room, no matter how much help you offer them, they are still going to leave that room corrupted and, and a danger to society. Absolutely. The question is keep them. How do you create <laughs> people? No, I, listen, listen. That's that's my listen. If if you have people in prison who you know, if I let this person out, they are. I, I can almost be assured they are going to harm somebody within the next six months to a year. Keep them. How do you evaluate that? Keep. We'll see. I don't know. Is it recidivism? Not. Is it? letting those 20 people along with the 80 that were successful is it allowing them to reintegrate. And then through recidivism, when you come back, is that when we realize, okay, we got to keep you here longer. Or is it the state who gets it? Cause here's my problem. I know algorithms are turning off what I'm saying. I know that when I use trigger words that, or I'm not playing their game, this is, you're too smart. You could have too much influence and, this is not a narrative we allow. Mm-hmm. So what happens when that person who says, hey, just pick a topic, vaccines, they killed Kennedy. Okay, so they 100% killed the president that was doing the most for all of us, regardless of your demographic. Mm-hmm. They killed the president when, they came, when he was about to tell us that the government's compromised. So when that human that's done all the research sees it all and starts coming out and they go, all right, we're turning you off. We're turning you off. You're going into, it's got a couch and the internet, but you're stuck there forever. I just fear that you have a state actor mm-hmm. who's the therapist. Okay. So you say a board of examiners. So whether it's nine or it's just a therapist, People can be compromised. We've seen it in the Supreme Court. We've seen it in Congress. We, 
humans are easily, we've seen it on a pedophile island. We just get you to sleep with a 16 year old and you become, you are doing whatever we tell you to do. Yeah. So my fear is you get my therapist sleeping with a 16 year old on an island owned by all the powerful people of the world. I'm the one out here saying you killed our president or I'm out here saying, hey, they got a pedophile island <laughs> and they go, oh, you know what? He's still crazy. So he's here for another year and a half. And then when we convene again, they go, do you still think there's a pedophile island? I know there's a pet. Well, eh, you're going back in. So that's my fear is we we'll give them enough power to become 1984 Orwellian state. Uh, yeah, and, and that, that is a, a real fear. Um, my only rebuttal to you would be how much more corrupted would my fake scenario be than the cheers status quo? <laughs> cheers to you. I, I cheers you on that because I think anything that's it's human flaws are inevitable. But I think. Maybe something that could find virtue in both scenarios, whatever the system is, is one, I guess it works no matter what when you have a full commitment to it. But also, if you could have a system that rewards and highlights and kind of pedals off of whistleblowers, you really get away from a lot of these problems. You'd be amazed working in the government. How many people, you, you know, you would think, oh, you know, this the state. They could never turn their barrels on the people because they're using the state is run by civilians. It's regular yeah. people. But look at Nazi Germany. It's amazing how fast regular people can become compromised. Back to what we said at the beginning, because all people want is comfort. Once that one thing that missed this podcast is you raised the point of how do these people get manipulated? It's so in our face. How are people not waking up to this? It's not that they're not waking up to it. It's that they choose to stay asleep because it's comfortable. Keep your head in the sand because this world it's safer. Just la, 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 la. I just want the noise to stop. Well, this so this is so that phenomenon that, that you're explaining. It's because I've, and I've said this on my podcast a bunch of times. People don't want freedom normally what they want is to feel safe yeah right you only yearn for freedom once you come in, in contact with a very oppressive force right and so when, when our founding fathers you know escaped over to hear from you know the the uh the monarch they were facing actual oppression right you have this monarch you know, he can raise taxes whenever he wants to. Um, he can he can uh, 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 create some sham trial and throw you in there without, you know, a, a, a solid defense. You had no right to anything. You got the, the expansion of the church at that time as well. And so that was actual oppression. And so they, they ran away and then, you know, they come and they form this government. And, and if you read the constitution, it sounds like it's made by a bunch of paranoid people, right? <laughs> because they went through it. <laughs> <laughs> they they went through it and so we are the 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 sons after many 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 generations we are so far removed from what i call in your face actual oppression that what we desire now is not freedom we desire comfort and so to your point it is wow. much more comfortable to just put your head down and you know just uh, you know you know i I, I I don't see the game being played rather than <laughs> to be aware of what's going on because look, I guarantee you they're probably happier than me and you. 
it, ignorance is bliss, man. <laughs> ignorance. Because again, you know what, what drives me crazy? So let's go back to, I guarantee you've heard the horror story of the 10-year-old who was raped in Ohio and couldn't get an abortion. She was slow. She had to sneak off to Indiana. And, oh, story. my God, the Ohioans. And, you know, we're sitting at the dinner table and my, my sister's all emotionally upset. Can you believe this? And this is such a problem. And I go, you know, we're having this whole conversation and nobody wants to talk about the adult seated a 10 year old and they're like oh, 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 oh. and it's like whoa, whoa, whoa because that's the more egregious offense here doesn't mean that's not the most important part of this conversation and you know whoever's writing the story we're living right now is so good at what they do <laughs> because both sides loses perfectly evenly because just when that was the perfect abortion point then the guy was an illegal and the republicans get to go ah it's just like everybody loses always not only that that story was so weird because then there was like a new york post article about it and i guess like some news crew found the mom where she was at and she, and she, she came to the defense of the guy so now this has me thinking oh it has to be either a family member or her or her boyfriend Boom. that raped her daughter and i'm like how, but here's the thing, neither the right nor the left have any interest of getting to the bottom of the story past mm. those points, which is infuriating to me. Um, but I do want to ask you one thing real quick about that yeah. story, because you brought up your sister, when she heard it, she was being very empathetic. And I want to ask you a question, because I think a lot of the problems we have today in politics runs downstream from women voting. Now, I want to be clear. I'm not saying I don't think women should have the right to vote. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Cruel philosophers gunslinging, <laughs> baby. <laughs> I'm simply making a very important observation that once women did get the right to vote, something changed in politics where empathy be became much more important than it was when they couldn't vote. Now, that's a very important trait. I believe we should be empathetic. I'm not even one of those people that are against any social programs. I think they should be limited. I think, you know, you should only be on it for like a couple of weeks, probably, you know, just get back on your feet. But I'm, I'm not, you know, totally against any social program. And I think women voters played a large part in, you know, introducing that into the political consciousness. However, I think if you kind of look at the world today and if I run through the things that annoy me, like the, the police brutality narrative is largely driven by women. The, um, the trans stuff, it is driven by women. Uh, um, um, I'm trying to think what else I care about. Well, here, can I offer one thing? Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Like, what I think it is on balance of, I, I think, we tend and and that goes to show how gender is not just this construct, but it's a <laughs> yep. nature to things. But I think you're associating a a genitalia to something that I think is bigger than that. Okay. Like Jordan Peterson always says a society you can't just turn like maybe he 
comes off more conservative and he agrees with a more conservative view. But he even says, if you were to eradicate and turn off all the liberal voices, you would have a damned society. So the most perfect flourish society is this balance of the liberal versus conservative. And trust me, I don't want to play their words because I emphasize all the time on this podcast, I'm liberal. I want, I don't care who you're or what you're smoking on your mm-hmm. property. As long as it doesn't affect me on mine, I'm liberal to it. So I'm just using their words. Mm-hmm. Most Democrats aren't liberal, but I'm, I'm just trying to demonstrate this red versus blue. There's like a hot and cold to everything. And so you, you want people who focus on empathy and emotion only if they can be balanced with the people who deal with the facts of the matter, the logic, that see through the emotion of it, that, that will give you the cruel philosophical truth to the position. But also that person needs to be constrained with like, yeah, but, you know, have a heart. Those are totally agree. So I, I think, you know, your point is strong. I don't necessarily agree with assigning the gender because we're living in this point in life, dude, where, you know, it was more real with the Vikings. It was very clear. These guys totally covered in hair. These girls, very uh, voluptuous and, 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 you know, fluffier, whatever you want to say, but like definitely different and distinct, but we've introduced so many things that are unnatural into our world and into our diet. We're consuming, the average American is consuming about a credit card of plastic a day. We're introducing hormones through McDonald's and other things. You know, we're, we're having genetically modified chickens that, you know, have overly sized breasts. And then we've got men who are growing larger chests than they ever did in history. We're losing our hair. You know, we're, we're not as hairy as we used to be. There's this weird evolution going on with the human being aside from all of this so what i would assign to it more than a genitalia is a hormone right it's more testosterone versus um um what's the female one estrogen. i'm blinking up estrogen because think about it there are plenty of female i mean go look at a female rugby player she's probably got more testosterone than the two of us absolutely There's the gray area of that girl who runs track guess what that girl from jamaica is a hundred percent more of a man than both of us And guess what? Her testosterone shows it. Nobody wants to talk about it. It hurts people's feelings. But like, go watch that girl do an interview. And it's like, she's got more testosterone pumping through her. And and that's her position. She's like, I can't control what my hormones are creating. This is what my body is. And it could be because she had some plastic in her diet or she had this food that manipulated it or whatever the case may be. Or this is just the next step in the human evolution. But I think we you're seeing it with beta cuck boys and male feminists and you're seeing it, it. I think we're having this weird imbalance of hormones and it can just be attributed to the more testosterone like person, which is like brute like, uh, you know, more physical, but also fact of the matter, black and white, looking mm-hmm. at things through the emotion and then the estrogen perspective where it's like and and. I'd, because again, you've got estrogen boys anymore, and, and I'm not saying that's a good thing you, or Alex. a bad thing. So but I just his, think it's it's more of like a, I don't know, a hot and cold thing, a red and blue. I just think it's the the nature of the beast. Yeah. So here's why I disagree. Yeah. Uh, there is a male mind, so to speak. There is a female mind, so to speak. Like we have the data on this stuff. Um, even when you look at uh, uh, like 
little boys and little girls and you look at what type of toys they are naturally attracted to. And this is before there's much testosterone. You see the boys go and they're pulling heads off of dolls and running trucks into stuff. And then, you know, like, it, 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 yeah, and they throw stuff and they rough and tumble play exists more amongst the boys than it does the girls. And once again, that's before we have testosterone and we have um, estrogen. It, there is a male mind. There is a female mind. Um, and this is, but here's where I am glad you checked me on because I, I can't put this on women um, blaming them. I blame us. Like we men are so terrified of telling the truth to women. And this is true in life in general, but this is definitely true in politics and definitely true in my community, especially amongst black people, black women run everything when it comes to politics. I don't know if you, if you have the same um, political ears, but if you think about it and you recall, you've been hearing for the last four or five years, the following foot, the following phrase, black women are the backbone of the Democratic Party. Right. Now, I want you to think about this. We vote black men at like a 92 or 93% clip for Democrats. Black women vote at like a 96 to 98% um, for, for Democrats. We're both in the 90s. Why do you think they make it a point to say the black woman is the backbone of the Democratic Party if we both vote for Democrats at a 90% clip? I think because we vote um, on identity politics. I'm mm -hmm. not voting on the issue. I'm voting on, like, again, you had raised how people would come at you and be like, I can't believe you voted for so-and-so. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, people would come at you and you'd be like, wait, why would I have to vote for the other side? Well, because you're this demographic. So we don't vote based on, you know, what my beliefs are, but identity politics. This is what I associate with, and this is how I'm supposed to vote. I do like your point, though, in that you kind of were like, well, we let this happen because we don't stand up to them. I don't think it's a male problem as much as a social problem. Think about how many times you've had the conversation about anything, whether it's about mm -hmm. putting puberty inhibitors in children or whether we should take all the guns away from everybody, any one of these conversations you have, it's the person will happily tell you, yes, we should take the kids from their parents and stop nature and stop puberty. And then when you're, they're not in public, you pull them aside. They're like, yeah, that's freaking crazy. I can't believe, no, we shouldn't do that. Mm. And so the, male or female, we've got way too much of that going on. And so people are way too afraid to stand by their position. And that's why go ahead and talk about the, the transgender people all you want. That is 0.001% of our population. Absolutely. We have given 50% of the voice now. And it's only because 50% of the people are afraid to go, yeah, maybe you shouldn't put my eight-year-old on puberty inhibitors. And then that's how they're able to do it. And see, that's where I think me and you start to split ways because I, I agree with you up to that point. But I also think it's because women are very empathetic to the, like, true. <laughs> you know what? In one of my videos uh, with Shannon, I said, you know what? <laughs> I said, I'm not going to be out here arguing on behalf of women more than women about this trans shit anymore. Like, 
this is the last month you'll get me talking about the trans stuff. But after, <laughs> and then after, you're losing every swimming match from here on out, and I don't care. Yeah, but at, but at some point, you got to stand up for yourself. And so once again, I'm not coming yeah. at this as like an anger towards women thing. It's more so just an observation. And then you look at the raw numbers. More women vote than men. Like, well, why are we voting? Personally, I think that result because you're right i I, you've you've convinced me i definitely i I agree with you to that point and i think it only happens because it comes back to the hormones that i think make all of our decision and is the basis of all of this the only reason all of your friends who will look at you and go yeah bro i couldn't agree more but then they got the the love of their life really it's just consistent tail and it's good and they have fun and they enjoy her so yeah whatever you say babe and it, you're right. It is us succumbing to their will. And it's because we have this fear of being alone. We can't stand up for ourselves. There's this weird thing. There, there's some guys who don't that get it. And it doesn't matter whether they're single or not. They're independent. And the woman doesn't make or break them. The sad part is that's a minority of the male populace. And the vast majority of males, I think, are desperate. They need it. I, I've had too many friends that have settled with someone who is severely beneath them league-wise, just mm. trolls, but it's consistent and it's safe. And it comes back to the theme that we keep raising, but that's what that's what people want. So if that means I got to say, yeah, Joe Biden is a good guy just to shut you up and get tailed tonight, then I'll do it. And I, you've convinced me because that's something I've always felt. You watch your friends change for the girl. You watch your friends do whatever they, it, it's like they can't be alone. There's, there's a vast majority of men right now who cannot be alone. It's so bizarre. I would never not say what's on my mind about <laughs> anything because of who I'm with. If, if you can't handle my, what I have to say, we can't be together. Like, Simple point blank. I'm not going to hate you. I'm not going to wish you, you know, you know, uh, 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 poorly or anything. I'm going to be like, you know what? You are a great person. We just don't match because I have to say what I have to say. And men used to hold this position. The fact that me and you became the exception is the problem. I don't know why that happened. I don't know when that happened. I have a guess that happened around the 1960s, but you know, whatever. Um, but we have to give it back. Like the world is going. I tweeted the other day that America to me runs best when there's a societal script of sorts. Um, American values, you know, Western values are held in high esteem. And then the weirdos just do weirdo shit on the side, right? <laughs> um, I think that's when America is at its best. We flipped it now. The weirdo right. stuff is, is 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 the foundation. You want to know why? Because, and I'm sorry, this is gonna this now. If this was on TikTok, the comments are gonna be roaring. <laughs> but somebody's got to say it to the people that you know what changed, my good friend, was that we we now demonized bullying, and mm. there was an upside to bullying. Do I think that I'm? Am I advocating for the beating of a kid and throwing their head in the toilet? No. The extremes needed to be tampered out. That was a severe problem. But when I'm in law school and I'm 22, 23, and this is the first year of law school, and you've got um, a 33-year-old wearing an R2-D2 dress, 
you know, at some point you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't be doing that if everybody in the classroom would be allowed to go like, oh, the R2-D2 dress. So the problem is you had enough people dyeing their hair blue, wearing a furry tail to class, all the weird shit, like you said, the fringe shit, but we weren't allowed to, to keep it in line. That, that's weird that that is not the norm. And that's how you get to have a professor in a university advocating for, no, 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 it's not the term pedophilia. It's minor attracted persons. And nobody's allowed to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. And, and you know, so that, yes. Before we die, I want you to know this. Before we die. Yeah. That is going to be a legitimate conversation. We're having it now. Yeah. yeah We're no, having no. it now. The So I had a friend in law school. She was gay. And I would ask her all the time, how do you feel about your rights? Like, you're just trying to fight for your right to marry your girlfriend. How do you like those rights being conflated into this parent wants to cut this kid's wiener off? Like they're they're not the same. And they're she not. would always say how that would drive her up a wall. And then it was just a couple of years ago. She's like, you called it. And here we are. They're trying to add one of the because of the beautiful uh, amb ambiguity of the plus at the end that just kind of <laughs> hangs there. Um, we get to add minor attracted persons. And what do we do when now we've got guys that salivate over little boys that want to be advocated for? And that's being conflated with the, the loving neighbor who just wants to marry her, her girlfriend. This conversation has uh, put a battery in my back. Um, I finally realized how I'm going to destroy the, um, the trans movement. Uh, I, I figured it out while I was listening you. to you. We have to turn the alphabets against each other, right? Because what's happening is, and it comes back you. to the Chappelle bit, right? Yeah, yeah. LG, all the letters in the car, yeah, the greatest L, bit of all time. No, but it makes sense. L, G, and B make sense. That is or, orientation, right? Like I'm attracted to same sex, or in the case of B, I'm attracted to both sexes, right? That makes sense. Transgenderism, which is, uh, you know, gender dysphoria. That's an actual medical condition. That's closer to bipolar disorder than it is being gay. How about this one? How does it logically make sense that you can say the Barbie dial aisle wanting to wear pink? Back to what you, you said, there's an innate craving to the mm -hmm. trucks versus the Barbie dolls and all of that. I entirely agree. But there's a narrative that says it was the Toys R Us aisles and, and the flashy colors that manipulated us one way over the other. So I, I say this all the time. Democrats are a walking, living contradiction. They have their cake and eat it, too. Everything they believe, everything contradicts another thing they believe. I could go on this forever. It's a common theme we bring up in this podcast. But what cracks me up is on one hand, you can say that your craving for the truck over the Barbie dial was created by society. These social constructs manipulated mm -hmm. you to pick the truck over the Barbie doll. And then on the other hand, you could say, I was born in the wrong sexual body. I'm supposed to be a man or, or I'm a man. I'm supposed to be a be woman. A woman. Mm -hmm. So what do I do? I turn myself into everything society constructed as a woman. If I'm supposed to look like, if, if this is my nature, you know, I can, there's plenty of women that's wearing what I'm wearing right now. 
And, and what I wear for the outside doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm still a woman, but I wear, you know, they, they call them a, you know, a butch type person, right? Yeah. That person's still a female. So why does a guy who transitions to a woman need to wear makeup and flashy colors and dresses and pink? No, no, no. I thought society was telling you you needed to wear the dress and mm -hmm. you no, no, no. I didn't. So you can't have it both ways. It's either you're supposed to be this in this body and I want to express or you just want to wear dresses. You're attracted. You like the other aisle. You want most of you aren't cutting your balls off. You See, just wanted to go to the other aisle. And that is why I believe it is more so uh, some weird kinky sex shit going on because they don't go all the way. All right. If you go all the way, I believe you. Right? How about this one? I bet you nobody's brought this point to you. So how about this? They love to play the point that because of our us, the society, we're so cruel. We're so terrible that they have the highest suicide rate because of you, the cruel philosopher, because you're just lacking so much empathy and you're you're so cruel to them. The philosopher so cruel <laughs> that they're killing themselves at the highest rate. The problem is not enough people parse apart that statistic and. Out of all the people that kill themselves in the transgender community, did you know, cruel philosopher, that 80% of them kill themselves post-op, post mm -hmm. which means they sat there and was like, I have a mental problem. I, I'm having issues. I feel uncomfortable. Issue, issue, issue. I just need to cut my wiener off. Then I cut my wiener off, and the problem's still there. So then I kill myself. So it comes back, and there's another metaphor I've brought up many, many times. I'll keep it short. We had a girl in school that had anorexia and the school would make her come down every day and have lunch in front of an aide, breakfast in front of an aide and a snack before she left in front of an aide. Why? Because when she looked in the mirror, she saw a fat person. But the reality was she was unhealthily ill, sick, and it was going to kill her skinny. So mm. they needed to, we intervened, made her eat food because she was experiencing body dysmorphia, mm -hmm. something that we as a society were able to recognize was outside of her control, but was also an illness that required intervention and help. Unfortunately, we have now legally stripped doctors from having the ability, the last backboard, the, the backstop, we, the last line of defense we had of logic, health, and safety, we've stripped their ability to even question. Are you sure? Yeah. And it's, it, it's the first time, you, you know, you know, you really think about it. What other scenario do we ask the person with the mental um, illness to come up with, with the solution for themselves, right? Like you would never talk to somebody who's a schizophrenic, bipolar disorder, multi-personality multi disorder and say, hey, um, how do you think we should resolve this? No, you, you don't do that. But for some reason, the, the trans uh, uh, people have convinced us that they are closer to L, G, and B than they are to bipolar disorder. And for the greatest con job ever. Greatest con job ever. <laughs> <laughs> con job ever. Well, let me, let me get you. It, this was breaking today. And so I was like, oh, I got I to gotta bring this up. So have you, you aware of Harry Potter? Yes, love Harry Potter. Okay, so you know all of the controversy surrounding uh, J.K. Rowling, Rowling, and yep. she's come out and I mean, you you have 
people like Jordan Peterson, he gets kicked off of Twitter because he dead named Ellen Page. You've got um, there was another girl. I can't remember her name. She was kicked off of Twitter for saying um, only a woman can be a woman that got her kicked off of Twitter. And J.K. Rowling had some comments and it, I don't even remember what they are. I'll have a couple of them on, on the bottom of the screen mm-hmm. here. But it was all stuff having to do with exactly what we said, transgender issues or whatever. And listen, you're not going to get a more progressive author than J.K. Rowling. Nope. She's written books. It's all over. And she keeps coming back and is like, Dumbledore was gay. And you, you <laughs> so was Ron. And, and she just keeps changing it just to keep it a little bit more liberal. So. What's funny is it's always the left eating the left. This girl, this woman couldn't do enough. Megan Murphy. That's it. Thank (laughs) you. Megan Murphy got kicked off for straight up saying a woman is a woman. Mm -hmm. So now the the internet, the the liberal mob has just, I don't know, called war upon J.K. Rowling. Okay. So when I went off to Miami University, that freshman year was 2012. Um, they started at the school a Quidditch team, and it was the beginning of like a Quidditch league. And people, from, teams from other schools, would come and uh, compete. And now it's evolved into a collegiate sport that, like, almost every school has a team. It's pretty wow. serious. It's really weird, dude. It's just they literally put a PVC pipe stick between their legs and just, like, play handball. Oh, and okay. And try right. to make it in the, the hole. So it's it's just like a basic uh, – think of it as, like, a rec game that, okay. that you can play through the school. But why I raise this is the official league that's collegiate, so it's a national league, changes their name to quad ball to do it, to distance themselves from JK Rowling. My favorite comment was I'm sure the 30 people who heard about this sport will feel more represented. Now it's like JK Rowling can't do anything right. You, the only thing that makes Quidditch anything worth playing is its association with, with Harry, Harry Potter, Potter, not JK Rowling. And now you've made the sport worth nothing You've changed nothing, right? The book still exists. The sport in the book still exists. J.K. Rowling's positions on trannies still exist, but you've changed the name to appeal to what or to who? You know, I have so much respect for J.K. Rowling because unlike a lot of these punk-ass dudes out here, she's sticking to her position. Like, yeah. And I respect it because (laughs) it's going to sound weird, but she has the balls that I wish these dudes would have. Like, <laughs> don't, don't like, do she understands what, what I've been telling people, which is you, you should never ever succumb to the mob, even if you believe you, you, you misstep, right? Your, your apology should be so calculated yeah. as to not give these people a bone because they don't actually care about the apology, right? Like, so let's pretend like J.K. Rowling did say something that was fucked up, right? Right. They, if she apologized, it would never satisfy these people because they don't care about the apology. What they want, want the gotcha is her moment. to bend the knee. Yes, yes. the gotcha moment, the, the bend the knee, the kiss the ring. That's yeah. what they're after. It's like, a, it's like a, a, a mob, right? And so you have to be so strong. And, and I tell people, I would have rather you not get into this 
sphere of, you know, the public exchange of ideas, I'd rather you stay out of it than come into it with no balls and you're constantly apologizing every other week because nothing irritates me more, especially when I see black men do this. When they say something bold and then the mob gets mad and then they retract and they spend the next week or two weeks, you know, with their heads down, down, apologizing. I'm like, you don't believe this apology and now you're making me look weak. That's a fair point. That's a really fair point. And, and I think we just experience it like, you know, I experience it too, where, okay, one, you don't want to be the guy at the party. You're all sitting there and you're like, hey, guys, they've got a pedophile island pretty fucked up, right? And they're like, no, dude, we're just trying to play Madden. Like, you know, stop trying to kill the vibe. So there's a delicate balance of like knowing the time and the place. The problem is those lines have gotten so blurred to where like, you know, political correctness, you used to be able to put up a show in the public. And then when you're by the, the water cooler and everybody, you, you could make cracker jokes and whatever. But now it's like we're, go, we're, we're trying to catch you. That gotcha moment. We're trying to catch you when you're alone in your basement, chopping it up with family. And, you know, somebody got you on a Snapchat saying this, your life is over. I mean, I remember there was a girl on a track team that like, I remember sent a video of like what, the N word. I th- hers. I think she put like uh like shoe shiner shit on her face. This was oh, okay. when, but remember there were people like Jimmy Kimmel who were doing blackface on television. Mm-hmm. And then there was a point at which that was a problem and it stopped. So at the point that, you know, kids, kids just being kids, stupid, but that person you. was made an example of. We took this college girl, we got her life ruined, took her out of college, and now it's a social rule. Cannot do this anymore. And people start falling in line and doing it. You know, I always said the quickest way to defeat something like, like the N-word. I know this is going to really agitate people, but I, I was just <laughs> chopping it up with some friends yesterday. We're on a hike and I go, you know where we went wrong? There was a period in time where, you know, I'm sorry, they retrained racism into my generation. I really believe that. I think it was pretty much gone. We were listening to, to black people and not thinking they were different. Right. I didn't have Eminem next to Little Wayne on the iPod generation one and thought there was any difference mm-hmm. between the two that like, wow, this is cool. He's empowering black people. And wow, this other guy, he is me. That's my team. I didn't literally, none of the, those narratives existed. That had to be retrained into me. And at that same time where none of it existed, all of us were on the same school bus where we actually had headphones that went to the device and we were sitting there going, you know, I dropped the world and, you know, and drop it on his mind and saying a word out of glee, right? Very weird. And then somebody said, little, then, you know, so the Kendrick Lamars of the world wanted to make that was of so white people corny. and, and hang them publicly for something they profited off of. And at that point where I think we really screwed up as a society, and that's where my position is, people just didn't want to step up. Just don't come for me. So if that's the rule you want, I, because, again, I don't need to say it. So I'll whatever the rule is, I'll do it. I think where we should have gone was there's a dictionary definition of this word. 
It means mm. lazy, unproductive. We should have started calling white people it. We should have started calling the shit <laughs> of the world this word. And then we get to read. Now that's truly commandeering, re-commandeering and changing a word. Like if you want to take this word and and rejuvenate it or or I, I don't know, whatever, the, the, insert the yeah, narrative. Rec- yeah, re- reclaim the power of the word. Reclaim the power. Mm-hmm. Call us that. Call the shitty members of society what they are. But now we've got another tool of division, another excuse for me to punch you. And the court will go, yeah, no, no, you, you deserve to be punched. I As a constitute First Amendment, I, I the First Amendment scholar, I do think you know, obscenity laws would justify that. I agree that if currently in 2020, if you said that word and you got Mm -hmm. punched, it it is outside of your freedom of speech to say that word at this point. But I do think if you were to rewind the clock in 2005, one, the litigation of that would have been different. And I think if we would have commandeered the narrative to be more uniting, it'd be different. And I only say, I'm only using this very, provocative example as a way of illustrating how this could happen to anything to anything and um i don't know i i definitely well, the n word the n word to me was always doomed to fail because of it's hit so the claim amongst black people were hey we are taking this word that was used to demean us and degrade us and we're using it as, as a term of endearment um amongst each other right uh it, as a concept that was always going to fail the moment hip hop became a mainstream genre of music. And the reason why I say that is because if, if you're going to use a racial slur amongst people who look like you in private settings, that's one thing, right? Um, but you can't do it on wax, then sell it to consumers, which you gladly wanted to expand because expanding it to white consumers um is what made the hip-hop industry so profitable and then get upset when the your fans are repeating lyrics in which you sold to them for profit like that's it's gonna fail um i don't use the n-word at all uh i left that alone when it was like my early 20s it's not a word that i use in common conversation because to your point I recognize that it was a divisive word and it created more problems than, than, than any, any positive impact that it might've had amongst black people. The, the, the negative impact it had, so, you know, uh, on a societal level, just totally uh, outweighed any positivity. And so to your point, wow. I agree. We were closer to being kind of in a post-racial racial society around that 2005, you know, 2000. For me, it was Obama. If you if, if you watch Obama's first presidential run, Obama is running not as a black man. He's running as a man who just happens to be black. That's the right. big difference. The big difference. If you watch his second run in 2012, he's running as a black man. Because he knew it was it was politically advantageous for him to use his race to gain reelection, even if it damned the country to hell, and that's what he did. And I, I just want to piggyback off of that to make one further point. With that second term, 
So again, everybody hates Trump because the way he spoke, I could go on forever about how he left the people that came out to support him out to dry because Mm -hmm. he had every opportunity to speak out against being racist or, you know, he, he spoke in terms that always kept that door open. So he left the people out to dry who supported him, you know, the proud boys stand down, stand by. I looked at my parents and go, we're screwed. He just said that <laughs> we're screwed. And my parents are like, you don't get it. And guess what? That became one of the most remembered lines mm-hmm. from the debate. So he's every time he could have had an opportunity to just swat all this shit away. He kept the door open. The, it kept it vague. But I, I want to address the Obama point. So people like to take that nonsense of Trump and on contrast, compare it to Obama and be like, that's just what we want. We want a good speaker. We want somebody that's uniting. And the problem with Obama was he was so eloquent and just a beautiful president in every Mm -hmm. way that the bullshit he was spoon feeding Mm -hmm. was just like like Ezekiel Elliott. Just people headed up. Exactly. It's like the problem is people never saw, you know, they say Trump was the result of racism backlash of Obama. And the reality is, no, what happened was Obama only spoke to 50% of the country. Mm -hmm. He literally closed the door on half the people. If you go to any State of the Union address, every speech, damn, did he sound good. But if you listen to the words, he was only talking to half the country. And that, I, I just wanted to emphasize, I really liked your point that he wanted to win even if it damned us to hell. And that's exactly what he did. Obama was the super hot chick that you take to dinner. You take this super hot chick to dinner and she's stunning. She's gorgeous. Now, what she's saying, it it could be the dumbest shit in the world, but you're not paying attention because all that's on your mind is, wow, this woman is beautiful. And I would love the chance to just hold her hand and walk down the street and make all these other dudes jealous. And, you know, maybe, you know, she'll be my girlfriend. That is what Obama was. If you look back on Obama, I'm telling you, if for those of you watching right now or listening, whatever, go back and play the speeches Obama made in 2008 on his run to the presidency and then play the speeches he made in 2012 for his reelection. It is like night and day. The man totally changed his strategy because he knew in 2012 that was post. It was either post or right before Michael Brown. Yeah. Yeah. The country was getting to your point, a lot more racial. And he was like, I can use this to gain reelection because we forget was McCain away or 2012. Romney was 2012, right? Wow. That have yeah, I think it was 2012. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Romney was, was 2012. Yeah. That was not a Obama runaway. People forget that was a close race for most of it. Right. And he used the racial issue to kind of, you know, slide it out at the end. I think you're 100% right. And that gets back to what I was kind of alluding to with Trump, too. He, he can have some policy that benefits the regular man, but he's a loud mouth, divisive human. And so he leaned on the racial thing to help push him through as well. That's Mm -hmm. the sad part of our politics is take someone like Tulsi Gabbard. She looks beautiful and light skinned, Mm -hmm. but she's a person of color. And so you got somebody who's a considerable minority 
who doesn't play up and she's a female and she's got military, but she's got all these boxes. Her problem is she doesn't exploit them. She doesn't exploit the identity politics. So it doesn't resonate with a female who would probably benefit from her politics or a minority that would probably or a liberal. She's a freaking Democrat, but a Democrat that would probably benefit from her politics. Why? Because she these people operate on ones and zeros, the black and white. Did you say, you know, are you preaching the narrative? And if you're not, then you're not one of us. Are you saying, like, back to your point, I can then assume if you're Asiago Cortez and you run as a black female, I don't really need to know your belief on anything because you're a black female and I know exactly how you're going to vote in this, that, and the other thing. So I'm now only voting for black females because I know how they vote. And then the second you've got a black female that comes up and she goes, well, my position on welfare, and they're like, take her out back, kill her. Mm. So it's it's like we've pigeonheld our politics to exploit these these, you know, demographics. And if you don't, you don't stand a chance. Yeah. And to your point about how Trump also played the racial game, I've been saying for a while that um, both of these parties play footsies to extremists. Right. And so on the right, you have the, you know, the white nationalists, you have the the um uh you know white pride you know, just, just just that group of people that you know you play footsie with on the left you have uh which and I, this, this might be even more dangerous you have the left playing footsies with these like Antifa. Um, yeah and these 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 uh racially centralist and these marxists and i'm like uh Whoa, this is a dangerous game we're playing here. <laughs> this ain't good, right? And I've said the first party, whichever party is the first to get rid of their crazy people, I think they're going to go on like a 20-year run in politics. Dude, you're looking at it, and that's the problem is I don't want either team having a monopoly, let alone – like, mm -hmm. one, I think both teams should be dismantled. The way you do that is with a third party. And then we could start bringing in fourth and fifth parties, right? Like, we need to start expanding this thing. The problem is the system, controlled opposition, the, the people that own and run the Democrats own and run the Republicans. And so their fingers are the same hand. And if you let one finger win, it isn't that the other finger's lost. The hand has won. As long as we keep playing this game, thinking, well, it's okay because they, these guys, here's, I want to remind you that when the Republicans took us to the war in Afghanistan, you know, the, the weapons of mass destruction, the liberals were on the right side of history at that time. So th there's, and dude, I don't want to go down way too far down my tinfoil hat path, but like there are episodes, whether it's the Cuban Missile Crisis, the Vietnam War, our CIA has mastered the ability of controlled opposition. Mm -hmm. So you got to recognize that like the Republicans, they could easily tee up the Democrats and knock them out. But they they let them win a little bit so they can win a, because they're all the fingers of the same hand. But to your point, you've got someone like Elon Musk, and now the 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 knob is turning slowly. Where all of these high profile celebrities that were publicly Democrat are going, you guys are pushing us to Republican, and the best 
recruiting tool for the Republicans right now are simply the Democrats. Yeah. I've been saying for a while that um, this act that, you know, the left left wing politicians and right wing politicians put on is, is just for show. These people in Washington, they hang out with, with each other, that they're, they're friends. They're out here at these weird uh, sex parties together. Like they don't hate each other. We so now their constituents hate each other, but they don't hate each other. Wait, wait, it's just they play. hate each other on a stage for us. But the Thank reality you. is you've got like the Congress persons. You'd be surprised how many are married couples from either side of the aisle. So they stand there and go, screw you. We're, we're going to knock down your bill. And then they hold hands as they get inside their Porsche and drive home to their $2 million home together. You know, a, a question I want to ask you is, how do we get to a point where it is clear that the smartest among us have no interest in leading us, right? Like well, these yeah. people are buffoons. You want to know why? Because the smartest people among us want to, to better, right? They want to help. And they know the system's so compromised and the people, it, it's so spoiled that you're not going to make that change there. I can spend every day on my local municipal court and see the personal effect I have on just one person's life today versus a system that is so corrupt that it's damning us on mass, right? Like it is. So to me, I agree. I, but to your point, you go, well, why wouldn't that person want to make the greater difference and go to the greater level to make a greater change? The problem is back to why I want less gatekeeping, why I want to make this as accessible to the regular American civilian as possible, because you have to literally sell your soul to get in that position. Mm. So when you go, wow, why are they so compromised? Well, it's because they had... Go watch. There's a I don't know if it's still available. I'd be amazed if they would let us still have access to this information. But there is a documentary on Netflix called The Family. I don't know if you've ever watched it. No. But it is a great there, we did a <laughs> really podcast good. on it way, way, way back at the beginning of this thing when I was in law school. And it's a documentary on how our politicians are like a fraternity and they had a fraternity house, essentially, and then a fraternity house that like think of them as interns mm -hmm. they would go live at you know it didn't you know say there was a lot of abuse but there was a fraternal like hazing okay where they had to clean all the stuff they were like the the shit bags of the politicians who are supposed to be highly sophisticated members of society and these kids would deal with just the brunt of it i mean I'm being very flowerful in the language I'm choosing because it's very gruesome and very dark and they're able to get away with it because they're rubbing arms with, you know, uh, the most Richard Branson and the most powerful people in the world. And this mm. is how I get. And then I get to be the next nominated uh, campaign possibility in this local. And then they'll climb me up the ladder I just got to suck a few dongs and, and give a few hand jobs and then I'm good. And the problem is you and I are shaking our, we would have the greater effect. Our heart is in the right place and we just want to help. But you and I never get there because we want to dismantle a system where other people are like, fine, I see the game. 
I'll go and pat I'll I'll go around the board and pass go, collect two hundred dollars, give a couple hand jobs as long as that means I get to be the person then one time. So it's weird. We're we're dealing with compromised people in a totally demonized system. It's just wild to me that we went from George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, uh, Benjamin to these clowns now. Can I can I say something? Yeah, yeah. I think this has always been compromised. Think about this. How many dead guys have been president, right? Like we got a dead guy running the country. A dead guy is calling the shots. Mm-hmm. I put a poll on the rethink tank of what was it that he did? He, he said something. No, oh, no, recently? no. I just wanted the poll. So I literally oh. just put a picture of him. I put the poll up and I asked, does Joe Biden, is Joe Biden proof that there actually is a deep state running the country, right? Like there's this narrative of a deep state because again, the agencies that call all the shots that get to create laws outside of Congress, the CIA, the NSA, all of them, the NC, all of them, the Mm -hmm. NSA, all of them, they get to make laws outside of Congress. We didn't elect them. There's no term limits. They're the ones debriefing the president. The president finds out all of, Okay, so here's the deal with Iran. Do we bomb them? Well, they're the ones giving him the narrative, the information to consider. We didn't vote for those people. Those people are career. They're there forever. It doesn't matter if Obama wins or Trump wins. That guy's the same. And so what emphasizes to me a deep state that's really running the country that's outside of our election is a dead guy. You got a dead guy who can't even say today. He, it comes up that he's got COVID and he had a speech today where he accidentally he said he had cancer <laughs> and they they run that back. They're like, no, 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 he didn't really mean it. Well, both of those things to me would say that there's grounds for a formal medical evaluation, considering you did a formal medical evaluation on Trump because you said he ate too many cheeseburgers. So I, I'm just saying you like to say that the medical evaluations corrupted. But for some reason, they're doing everything they can to avoid that for Biden because it's probably a little more accurate than we're willing to believe. Now, I just want to say, how likely is it? We're living in a world now where I'm seeing every video of that dumbass talk. I, he can't even ride a bike in a park by himself without somebody catching a video of him doing his most foolish moment, right? He falls off a bike and it's international news. So think about how lucky we are to have all of, like, they can't hide it from us. Mm. But think about a day where Abraham Lincoln is debating Frederick Douglass and 100 people get to see the debate. That's it. And then the rest of it's on print, on the printing press across the country. And for this this campaign to get its message from Ohio to Wyoming, they got to hop on a train and travel Mm. for 40 hours. Like it's not just post on Facebook. It's in every state everywhere. So I'm worried that this system has been compromised longer than we've been led to believe. And they've been able to get away with it because we've never had the ability of instant accountability like we do today. So I agree that it's been compromised. I guess what I'm saying is if I have to deal with a compromised system, either way, I'd rather um, be under the rule of people who are competent and who determines that how do we determine that oh for me i, I judge it by effectiveness right like you know uh when you look at george washington the first president 
Um, we look at, you know, Abraham Lincoln, you know, got in the country through a civil war, Thomas Jefferson, uh, you know, uh, one of the brilliant minds behind the construction of the constitution. Like we had people who were like super bright leading us. And I'm like, how do we get here? <laughs> well, you want to know why it's because the super bright are becoming in a, a rarer and rarer breed. We are increasingly getting dumb. Like we are stupefying our, our like our academic system again is teaching you the gray areas of your section gender i mean there was a point in time now at the same age i was learning arithmetic and you know uh uh algebra at the same time now that's being replaced because math is racist you forgot about that that, <laughs> that came out but now instead of the racist math that could kind of teach you how to learn and grow your brain. We're going to just teach you how to masturbate and um, how this is all a social construct. So it's like, like, we're just, we're not even growing anymore. I also feel like if you need your teacher to teach you how to masturbate, then uh, give up on life. <laughs> That's something you discover no yeah. matter who you are. <laughs> just give up nature. on life, man. Give up. <laughs> Listen, I, I, we could barely even scratch the surface of all that I had for you. So I appreciate your time and I'd love to get you on again because this was a really great conversation. Yeah, man. Like I said, I, I, I this was fun. This is fun. I feel like it was definitely a, uh, an exchange of ideas, you know, um, we agree on the problems. We have some agreement on the solutions, but I, I, I always enjoy talking to people that don't necessarily agree with, with my, outlook on things because it helped me like rethink and recalibrate on my own flaws and my argument uh it's kind of hard for me to do that on my own i have to be critical through conversation so like i said so this is this, i definitely appreciate just the fact that you know it'll help me craft a better argument about positions that i have in the future that, that's so, yeah. the whole goal because the unfortunate <laughs> part is we just we live in a society where people just want a, a confirmation of their bias mm -hmm. rather than so they just want to be right. I I don't need to be right. I just want to be liberated from my ignorances. So let's wrestle them. I'm going to, you know, espouse all of my crazy, you know, whatever perspectives and, you know, maybe come out different on the end on the other end on some of them and maybe reinforce other positions. But you're only going to know you're you're coming from a strong foundation of ideas if you can combat them with other people's yep you know and and that's why we need to turn people off because i my ideas won't beat yours so we just need to turn you off and you know your twitter handle's gone <laughs> exactly yeah. but but again i appreciate the conversation i hope to get you on again if you ever need a uh, a, a new thinker on the cool philosopher you can always hit me up because i i love talking with you my man this it was a pleasure meeting you and you. I, i'd love Thank to get it again please tell the people where they can find you yes um so i'm mainly on twitter and tiktok uh so my twitter handle is at cruel philosopher no Ian philosopher uh my t my tiktok handle so this is what got me mad, right? So I get on TikTok uh, about to make my handle and somebody had my handle. And oh. I know, I know this was somebody that saw my Twitter and was like, let me make this handle. <laughs> so oh. it's close, but it's, it's, it's accurate philosopher, but I got the underscore at the end, yeah. right? Because somebody beat me to it. Maybe one day when I have some money, I'll, I'll buy back 
But as of right now, that's my TikTok handle. Um, thank you for my podcast, you know, Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Uh, yeah, I, like I said, definitely appreciate uh, being on here. Uh, I hope, you know, that I've said something useful to the people that listen. <laughs> and uh, we'd love to have you on, man, especially as a lawyer. Are you a, are you a criminal lawyer? So right now, I, I still have to pass the bar exam. Okay. So I cannot call myself a lawyer, but gotcha. I've been working at our local courthouse now for like two and a half years. I'm a court administrator and a legal assistant to the judge. So I just kind of help make sure everything gets off as it's supposed to manage the courtrooms. And uh, the best part is having a judge's ear that I can just kind of pick her brain hey, and bounce idea. I mean, it's better than any textbook I ever got from law school. I, I always wanted to have a conversation with the defense lawyer one day and ask, um, Now, I have no idea if this is unethical to answer, but I would love to ask a defense lawyer, what's the best way to get away with murder? So here's what's interesting. Um, I kind of alluded to it earlier on, but like I kind of always I. I did debate in high school. I played football and wrestling and everything, but they all of my friends would make fun of me because my true passion was debate. I loved mm-hmm. it. And that's what had me kind of sold on. Like, I want to get paid to do this. I want to be a lawyer. So I went down that path. And I remember being in grade school. I think one of the benefits I always had was, you know, again, I, I don't think today's privilege is anything other than a, a household of parents that care about you. Totally agree. I, I think that's the privilege today. And one of the blessings I had in this life was a parental household that would challenge ideas, try to just encourage thought experiments. And when I started kind of considering this this path, my dad and my uncle, but it it, it started with my dad. They'd always ask, they'd go, um, what's worse? Is it worse to defend a guilty person or to put an innocent person away? And in my youth, I'd always say it's worse to defend a guilty person. I, I, I couldn't get over, you know, you're in the chambers and the guy looks at you and goes, yeah, I, I raped that little girl. Now go out there and get me off of this. Um, one now going through law school, learning that would be illegal. You'd be like, don't, don't tell me, don't tell me. Or you'd pretend <laughs> that they never told you. Yeah. Um, but there, there's a, a ethical, Uh, rule preventing that but there is like the way the shows law and order all that shit is painted it that's kind of been our perception so when i first was wrestling this i always thought it'd be worse that this person tells me this and in boldface lie i get them proven innocent and save them versus putting a guilty person in because statistically that's just you know that's inevitable numbers to system like you're going to have a few people that get caught up in the net is how i looked at it but then I came to learn, you know, I, I grew, there's so many layers to this, my friend. There's so many layers to this. One, we talked about how jail is criminal university. So now you've taken what would be a functioning member of society. You've corrupted them and they're damned for life. They'll also have resentment for towards the system and they'll mm-hmm. blame the system. And that'll always be a catalyst against the system. Additionally, there's again, as a philosophy major, I would go in, this will save this conversation for another day, but there's a lot of uh, philosophical doctrine that I could use to support just the, the moral compass side of it. It is better to protect the innocent person. The, the damned will always be the damned versus it's worse to damn the, the light, like what would be a light or beacon. Um, 
so let's directly address your question about like how do you commit murder or how do you get get away away with with it? it um there's layers to it right like (laughs) there you have to be proven beyond a reasonable doubt Mm -hmm. so the question is where can you create doubt can you create an alibi can you that's probably it but like an alibi what gets people in the most i'm sorry so what does people in the most like gets them caught up Usually, is it, is it the, well, the so lack of alibi? What's interesting, the most utilized piece of evidence in a court proceeding, right? The most used, but also with the heaviest weight, right? Like the most effectiveness mm-hmm. is in-person testimony, right? Really? That person w- did this, right? Like it wow. was that person, a witness I like in-person testimony Mm -hmm. has more weight than literally even a video. (laughs) It's amazing. (laughs) And what what's funny about that is that the evidence that is most heavily relied upon is the most easily corrupted human corruption. It's just you've 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 relied upon the human element. And I see it every day. People love to use the system as a weapon against people they don't like. Mm. So you have to be aware of that. Take the Kavanaugh situation, right? Like everybody said, believe all women, yeah. believe all women, believe all women. And then, you know, I, this really pissed people off and I'd love to see your reaction to it because it, I just, it's fun pissing people off, just giving them the cruel truths, but <laughs> they say, believe all women, but then they also will acknowledge that there was 20 to 30 years of white women going that black man raped me it was not the same guy but 30 years later dna evidence now exonerates them and it was never that guy it was either racial profiling or Mm -hmm. it was this girl being malicious or they just look similar and i can they all look the same right so all of that so how come now we could say believe all women but then come from a world of three, four decades of believing women and it being inaccurate, whether purposely or accidentally. Yeah, not either. The Kavanaugh thing was 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 uh, one of the dirtiest things that I saw in politics. I was like, wow, Th- that's really what made me I'm like, I could never get into politics because I would lose my mind to have to me like everybody's going to pay for it. <laughs> right. The person who lied on me, the media who spread the story, uh, <laughs> all y'all going to pay. so again to directly answer your point maybe it's something we we flush out more off the record when when you want to actually take out the homie but like otherwise i would say this is all philosophical for me what what's that i said this question is purely like philosophical oh no no no. i i totally agree that's why i'm just making light of it like (laughs) i i fear even even treading in that because people use that mm, whether whether it's something that bites me in the ass down the line or somebody's like ooh, you know and now i've just caused somebody death because they're gonna you. try it like people are insane and that also comes back to why i raised that philosophical point that was you know introduced to me at a young age to me i'd rather 
over that question, the more difficult question and the most socially pressing question, at least in my frame, is how do we prevent an innocent person from going to jail? Agreed. Right? Instead of the guilty person, because that's way easier. One, how do we get the guilty person from not going to jail? But also, it's significantly detrimental to the society. Whereas the more difficult hurdle, but the most important hurdle is how, how do we prevent good people from getting caught up in the net? And man, that's, that's a quagmire for another day. Yeah. All right, man. Well, look, um, I definitely hope to, you know, that you you much success to you in the future in your podcast, man. I feel like you have a lot of knowledge that you can give people, especially with I your background. That. I so appreciate that. And, and even, up. I think what we need to do, and you are a beacon for this as well, is it's not so much what I have to offer as what I have to gain from people and mm. to be a conduit for that and, and bring people along for that journey. I don't think it's that I have as much to offer as much as, back to your point, you're talking to two human beings with the balls to stand with the position and take the back flat. I mean, the amount of times I've sat there with, you know, a, a timid guest and I go, but they want to cut off our kids wieners. And they're like, dude, dude, <laughs> I checked out. That's just, that's too much. And it's like, but they do. And the more we don't talk about it, the more your well, kids lose wieners. So mm -hmm. somebody has got to be able to take it on the chin. And so I don't think it's, you know, I've got the Santa Claus knapsack of answers as much as I'm willing to lose. Hang me up as a punching bag because no one else will. And let's be a conduit for for new thought and new ideas. All right. So, yeah, best to leave it there. I'm just I know, appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it. So real quick, just wrapping up, everybody, if you want to catch out the Rethink Tank and check all of our content, you can find us at our website at www.rethinktankpodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter, TikTok, or Instagram at the Rethink Tank uh, handle. You'll see it here on the screen, or you can follow me personally. Um, join the Neuro Gym on the website so we can have a free marketplace of ideas. And, and otherwise, guys, if we made you laugh or if we made you think, the best thing you could do to support this podcast is share common theme that you keep learning from this is both of us are fighting algorithms. People are stealing my man's handle from under him. And he, he can't even, we, we need the help. And, and the help is to help each other. We mm -hmm. just want to expand a community. That's the, the, the key is to build a community of people that want to grow with each other to do that. If you think you got a friend that might enjoy this, send this to them, send the link, post on your Facebook. The best, this was free, free greatness. The best thing you could do to support this then is to share it, send it to a friend, share it on your Facebook. Otherwise we'll catch you on the next episode and uh, cruel philosopher. Thank you again. Keep being cruel, check the truth and keep these people in line. And my friends, Thanks, we'll man. catch you on the next episode. Peace. All right.